love the story that's told about the uh, husband and wife who were in a worship service one Sunday morning with their four-year-old son who was not behaving at all. Uh, they were doing everything they could to keep him quiet, but they were losing the battle uh, on this morning in this service. And so finally, uh, the father couldn't take it any longer. And so he snatched his four-year-old son up in his arms. He stepped out of the aisle and he headed back walking sternly to the doors leading out to the back of the church. And as the father got closer and closer to the back doors, the little boy knew what was coming. And so he began yelling, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. We all need people to pray for us. The best, the Christian life is the best life. The Christian life is the blessed life, but the Christian life is not the easy life. And prayer is a must for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Prayer blesses us and others. Prayer changes us and others. Prayer empowers us and others. Prayer encourages us and others. Prayer focuses us and others. Prayer helps us and others. Prayer uh, reminds us and others of God and his power, his plan, his presence in us. And prayer reminds us that we need to cry out to the Lord in prayer. And we see all throughout God's word that God has given us encouragement and teaching designed to help us, encourage us, point us to pray. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah, we're going to hear from for just a few moments this morning, uh, is a prophet in the Old Testament, and uh, Jeremiah spoke to us about prayer. He spoke specifically to the people of Judah years ago, and he is continuing to speak to us through the truth of God's word this morning. And so we will pick up in Jeremiah chapter 33, and uh, Jeremiah is uh, sharing with us And we see in verse 1, while he was still confined in the guard's courtyard, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. First of all, Jeremiah uh, was a a prophet of the Lord. That meant Jeremiah spoke God's words to God's people. Specifically, the background here, God used Jeremiah to uh, rebuke the people of Judah for their sin and rebellion against him. And God used Jeremiah to speak a message of repentance, that they needed to repent of their sins and turn back to God, which uh, resulted in Jeremiah facing some persecution and some opposition and some resistance because uh, the people of Judah weren't really interested in listening to what he had to say. God also used Jeremiah to speak a message of hope and blessings for God's people if God's people would turn back to God. And so we understand and realize this is a little bit of the background. Jeremiah, we find, is uh, speaking this message to uh, the people of Judah. And we read that he was confined in the guard's courtyard. The guard's courtyard was a prison. It was the prison in the palace of the king of Judah, that being Zedekiah. Jeremiah was imprisoned because he prophesied to Zedekiah and the people of Judah that God was going to use King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon in his work to discipline the people of Judah for their sin and rebellion against God. The king didn't like Jeremiah's prophecy, and so he threw him in prison. And so Jeremiah is confined here in prison. Spoiler alert, Jeremiah's prophecy came true. We know that God did exactly what he said he was going to do through Jeremiah. We know that God used uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon in his work of disciplining his people of Judah uh, as they came and as King Nebuchadnezzar, they captured uh, Jerusalem and Uh, The forces of Babylon took most of the people of Judah back into exile 
in Babylon. And so we see that Jeremiah is confined in the guard's courtyard. He's in prison at this time uh, there in the palace of Judah for his prophecy, his warnings for simply sharing the truth of God with the people of God to turn back to God. So we continue and read in verse 2. He said, the the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. The Lord who made the earth and the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is his name, says this. So Jeremiah here reminds the people that God is the one speaking to them. He is speaking to them uh, through the Lord. The Lord is speaking to them through him. He is sharing God's message with them, and he wants them to understand. He's reminding them that God does what he says. And since God is faithful to do what he says, they need to listen and obey to what he has to say. He was basically saying, heads up, listen up. This is what God is saying to you, and oh, by the way, remember God, who he is. He's God. And then we see in verse 3, call to me. This is what the Lord had to say through Jeremiah. Call to me, and I will answer you. I tell you great and wondrous things you do not know. Call to me, and I will answer you. I tell you great and wondrous things you do not know. No, here God called his people of Judah to pray. Call to me is a command to pray, to cry out to God for help. So I want us to look at three points about prayer from this passage real quick. Three points about prayer that we see here in this passage. Point number one, God wants us to pray. God wanted his people of Judah to pray, and he wants us to pray as well. God wants us to talk with him. God wants us to cry out to him for the help that we need because God loves us and God wants to help us. God wants us to pray. Second point, we need to pray. The people of Judah needed to pray because of the condition they were in, which is in rebellion against God, and we need to pray as well. We need to talk with God. We need to present our requests to God. We need to spend time in prayer. Now, there are many different reasons why we need to pray. Let me just give you a few. We need to pray because we need God's help. That's a real simple reason why we need to pray. We need to pray because we need God's help. We cannot live God's way without God's help in our lives today. Whether it be as a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a student, an employer, an employee, a friend, a brother, a sister in Christ, we can't live God's way without God's help. We need to pray. We cannot live the Christian life on our own, in our strength, in our wisdom. We, see, we, in, we receive reminders of this all the time. Remember, as we've said many times before, the Christian life is not about us living our lives for Jesus. The Christian life is about Jesus living his life through us as we surrender to him and depend on him day by day. So we know we need to pray because we need God's help. We need to pray because God knows things we don't know. God knows some things we don't know, which makes perfect sense because he's God and we're not. And so we know that God knows things that we don't know. And Jeremiah reminded us of this in verse 2 when Jeremiah told us that God is the maker of heaven and earth. God is the one who hung the stars and the moon and the sun and the sky. God is the one who has created each one of us uniquely, wonderfully, fearfully in his image. That means God knows us best and God loves us most. We know that God is our ever-present God. We know God is omnipresent. That means he is always there. We know God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. But we also know that God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. And so we understand this reality. God wants us to pray. We need to pray. One of the main reasons we need to pray is because God is omniscient. God knows all. He knows things we don't know. Jeremiah reminded us of this. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah. He knows things. And therefore, we need to pray. Another reason we need to pray is because God will tell us what we need to know. God will tell us what he knows. He says, call to me and I will answer you until you great and wondrous things you do not know. God will tell us what he knows when we pray. And so it's vitally important for us to spend time in prayer. What we need to know is what God has to say about our decisions. 
What we need to know is what God has to say about our questions. What we need to know is what God has to say about our situations. What we need to know is what God has to say about our jobs. What we need to know is what God has to say about our families. What we need to know is what God has to say about our marriages. What we need to know is what God has to say about our relationships. And we can find that out through prayer. God knows us and wants what's best for us. Therefore, we need to ask God to reveal his answers, his truth, his will uh, for our lives. And the great news is, as Jeremiah reminded us, God will do it. The third point is God answers prayer. That's amazing when you stop and think about it. God answers prayer. God will tell us what we need to know. God will tell us what we don't know when we pray. As Jesus reminded us when he said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, the door is opened. And we know that that passage he was talking, asking and seeking and knocking, it literally reads asking and seeking and knocking because it's a present participle, which means we're to continue doing that over and over and over and over again all through the day. And so we know God will help us. Do what we need to do as we pray. God will lead us where we need to go as we pray. God will show us what we need to know as we pray. God will tell us what we need to say as we pray. God will answer our prayers. Now, as simple as these three points are, and you really probably couldn't get more simple and basic if we try with these three points that we see from this passage in Jeremiah. And as obvious as it is to us, as we look in the word, to understand and realize, yes, I believe God answers prayer. He tells me he answers prayer. I believe he answers prayer. I understand these points. These points are very basic, very fundamental, very simple. And with all that we know about prayer and with all that we talk about prayer and with all that we read about prayer in God's word and with all these very simple points that we all know and acknowledge and understand and with the understanding that God wants us to pray and 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 we need to pray and he answers our prayers I am firmly convinced that we all too often neglect to pray all too often we neglect to pray we fail to cry out to God for help We fail to present our requests to God. Instead, we run off day by day all through the day, and we try to handle, sort through, and deal with all of our challenges, difficulties, problems, pain, tests, and trials of faith on our own. And the truth is, we're stressed out, worn out, and knocked out. And our faith in Christ. And the statistics would bear me out in regards to the amount of stress that folks carry around on a day-by-day basis, even those in the church. Even those of us who understand and know, well, God wants me to pray. And I know I need to pray. And God even answers prayer. And yet, it's so easy for us to march on day by day without praying. And what happens is those burdens just get bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier and heavier. And we get more and more stressed out and worn out. And then ultimately what happens is we just give out. And so I'm starting a new series this morning. It's a new sermon series that we're going to move forward over the next couple of months. And it's titled Lifeline, Getting Help from God Through Prayer. Just as we need air to support our lives physically, we need prayer to support our lives spiritually. Prayer is our lifeline to God. It's a blessing, a privilege, and a joy for us to communicate with God through prayer. And God has filled his word 
with his truth for us about prayer. God has filled his word with Christ followers who prayed. Men and women who have gone before us who prayed. And we see their examples in the word of God. And their examples motivate us today to pray if we will study them and take their examples to heart. We're going to spend time in this series looking at and learning from some of these examples of folks who have gone before us who discipline themselves to pray. And we're going to look at and see what God did in those circumstances because I'm firmly convinced that God wants to do the same with you and with me uh, today, this week, throughout this time in his word, in this time of study. I firmly believe that God wants us to petition him like we've never petitioned him before. I firmly believe that God is standing ready to answer our prayers in ways he's not done before. As we seek his face, as we draw before him, and as we devote ourselves to prayer, as we see throughout this word, and that we so often miss in our own lives. And so I want to encourage you, and we're going to look at some encouraging things that we can do. I'm going to challenge you uh, to make some changes here during this time uh, in uh, our time in Word in this series uh, so that we might be able to see all that God has for us uh, as we study uh, this amazing discipline of prayer, remembering that prayer is also an amazing weapon for us in the battle of spiritual warfare. Amen? It's an amazing weapon for us in the battle of spiritual warfare. So Father God, we come right now, and I ask right now in these moments that you will speak to us. Father, you tell us in your word, it couldn't be more clear, that you want to talk with us, and that you want us to cry out to you, and to cast our cares on you, and to present our requests to you. Father God, you created us for a relationship with you, which happens by your grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And Father, you want that relationship to be an open relationship, one with with great ongoing daily communication. So Father, we ask now that you would begin teaching us and encouraging us and and motivating us to uh, devote ourselves even more to this fantastic discipline of prayer. God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And move in our lives, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I want to ask you to turn your Bibles from the Old Testament, now we're going to go to the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, make your way to Luke chapter 5. We're going to start our search uh, of examples when it comes to prayer, and uh, I don't believe there's any better example to start with when it comes to uh, prayer and the practice of prayer than Jesus himself. Uh, The truth of the matter is, Jesus is always the best example to follow for you and for me. And in Luke chapter 5, we're going to begin uh, this uh, look at Jesus and uh, his prayer life. And so the first point we see real quick as we uh, look at the example of Jesus is Jesus prayed. Real simple, Jesus prayed. Uh, We see that scholars uh, have done research and studies and shown us that Luke wrote more about prayer and specifically... They wrote, he wrote more about Jesus in his prayer life than the other gospel authors. Luke wrote often, all throughout his gospel, about prayer and specifically about how Jesus prayed, the commitment that Jesus had to prayer. Luke wrote about how Jesus, early on in his ministry, was uh, healing uh, folks of their sicknesses and diseases. He was preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel and and, uh, healing, and lives were being changed. And Luke tells us of a specific instance when Jesus healed a man who had a serious skin disease. More than likely, it was leprosy. He healed this man of the skin disease. And then after he healed the man, he told the man, he said, now, I don't want you to say anything to anyone about what I've done for you. Don't tell anyone about what I've done for you and how I have healed you of your disease. And we pick up in Luke 5 in verse 15, but the news about him, that him is Jesus, but the news about Jesus spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Let's read verse 16 together. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. 
When did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed often. Jesus prayed often. Jesus often withdrew from the crowds and even his disciples to pray. Jesus placed a priority on prayer. Jesus was committed and devoted to prayer. He was committed to getting alone with the Father. He was committed to spending that time with the Father. He got alone. Jesus, you see, made time to pray. There is no one who has ever been and there will never be anybody who will be as in demand as Jesus. As we see in the scriptures, there is no one who is more in demand than Jesus. And yet we find that Jesus spent time in prayer because he made time for prayer. And we know he had to make time for prayer because he says here, Luke says that there were crowds that were always coming around and people were following him and people were chasing after him and people were spreading the news about him. Anybody who was sick was coming to him. Jesus, there were points in time where we read in the gospels that he even tried to get away with the disciples and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to get away to get some rest and some recuperation and the word spread and the people were there on the other side. They ran around the corner around the Sea of Galilee to get there when he got there. They beat him as he was sailing across. They beat him by getting around there. They wanted to see him. So we know if Jesus had this devotion, this commitment to prayer, which we do, then we know he made prayer a priority. He had to make prayer a priority. Because where and when and how would he be able to withdraw often to deserted places to pray? You need to stop and think about that. When you look at the, just that real simple couple of verses, okay, well, we believe it's true because Luke is telling us that it's true. So how did it happen? Well, I can give you an idea, a hint as to how it happened. If you look over in Luke 6, beginning in verse 12, here's another example of how Luke talked about Jesus praying. He said, during those days, again, he, meaning Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. He also named them apostles. So here we go. During those days, he went out. So during those days when he was often withdrawing himself to deserted places to pray, now we get a little bit more information. He would go out to the mountain to pray, which there was mountains that surrounded the Sea of Galilee. And there was also mountains all around Jerusalem, um, but certainly around the Sea of Galilee. And he would spend all night in prayer to God. Oh, okay. Now I see. Now we get our answer. He wasn't sleeping. That's how he withdrew often to deserted places to pray. Because he would go out to deserted places. Well, they would be deserted all throughout the night. Why? Because everybody else is sleeping. And he would go out by himself and then he would pray. So we see how long did Jesus pray? All night long. He prayed all night long. The more Jesus prayed, the more empowered he was for ministry. The more Jesus prayed, the more prepared he was for ministry. Prayer was one of the key sources of power that he received from the Lord to be able to do all that he was doing in the day, which was when the crowds were coming around him and always after him and asking for him to heal them and to take care of them and to answer this and to answer that and do this and do that. He had to have power and his power in large part came from prayer. And in order to receive that power from prayer, he had to get away from everyone at a point in time where he could get away from everyone, which oftentimes meant in the middle of the night. And even all through the night. And the principle is this for you and me. The more we pray, the more prepared we will be for ministry. The more we pray, the more we will be empowered for ministry. The more we pray, the better we will be at being godly husbands and godly wives, godly fathers and godly mothers. Godly sons and daughters, students and employees and employers, friends, co-workers, neighbors, family members. The more we pray, 
the more equipped we will be to do what God wants us to do. The more we pray, the more we will enjoy doing what God wants us to do. And the more we pray, the more fruitful we will be in ministry. The more we pray, the more we will see God at work in us, around us, and through us. Jesus prayed all night long. We know throughout the Gospels that Jesus prayed for other people. We know Jesus prayed for other people. Uh, He prayed, for example, for Peter, as he told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you uh, that your faith will not fail and that you will return after you deny me three times. Uh, And so we know that Jesus prayed for himself. We know Jesus prayed for himself. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he got alone, he took Peter, James, and John. They went deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane. He dropped them off there so they could pray. Instead, they slept. And then he went a little bit further on, and he prayed. And he prayed for himself as he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done in reference to the cross and the crucifixion and all that was coming. We also know that Jesus prayed for you and me. Guess what? We're in the Bible. We're in the Word. You're in the Word. I'm in the Word. Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me and he prayed for all of his followers in John chapter 17. One of the most amazing prayers in all of the scriptures, the prayer of Jesus, it was that chapter 17 is, the, is an entirety. The chapter is entirely about the prayer of Jesus. Uh, and we're included. It's an awesome, awesome chapter. You ought to read it this week. It'll bless you, encourage you, uh, and challenge you as Jesus prayed for you and for me. And so we see real clearly the, est- the example, the testimony, the model that Jesus set for us, Jesus prayed. And so we really truly could just make a, a simple statement, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Uh, and that would work, and I think we would all say amen and understand that. Uh, but we even see more. The second point we see is Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus taught us to pray. I think it's significant and inter- interesting that the one thing that uh, the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus to teach them to do was not heal people. It was not to preach great sermons. They didn't ask him to help them learn how to multiply food and fish and loaves, which have been really cool and helpful at points. They didn't ask him to teach them how to walk on water, which would have been also pretty cool. Instead, the disciples taught, asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Teach us to pray. That had to be in large part due to the devotion, the commitment that they had seen in his life to prayer. Also, we know, the gospel tells us, that they had also seen the devotion and prayer to John uh, and John the Baptist's life. And so they, they wanted to know how to pray. Thankfully, Jesus answered this prayer for them in a Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, which was a huge help to disciples then and still is for us today. So let's turn to the left now and let's look in this second point. Uh, Turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you look back to Matthew chapter 6, the first gospel of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to find Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount in the middle of this amazing sermon, uh, which Jesus was preaching and teaching to his disciples and followers. There on one of the hills on the, just outside and away from the Sea of Galilee, an amazing setting as Jesus is preaching and teaching uh, his disciples and followers about the Christian life, what it looks like, what it's going to entail, uh, how it works, how it looks, what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. Jesus had said uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Repent, place your faith in me, follow me and I will fa- make you fishers of men. And then beginning in chapter 5, 6, and 7 and beyond, he then shared this amazing sermon about what it looks like to follow him, what it looks like uh, to live the Christian life. And so we see Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 in this passage. He taught his disciples then and us today uh, about prayer. And the first point Jesus makes that we'll look at is Jesus said, pray daily. He said, pray daily. In Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 5, Jesus said, whenever you pray, let's stop right there. Whenever you pray implies prayer here, being a part of our lives. Whenever you pray is in the present tense, which means we need to pray today and we need to pray all through the day. We need to pray at the beginning of our day. We need to pray throughout our day. We need to pray at the end of our day. 
Prayer needs to be a daily part of our lives. Prayer needs to be one of the habits of our lives. Prayer needs to be a part of what we do throughout our day. We need to pray daily. Uh, And we can pray anywhere and everywhere we go. We can pray when there's large crowds around us. We can pray when we're all alone. We can pray when we're in our office place. We can pray when we're in the car, which is where most of us really need to pray, uh, is when we're driving in the car uh, with others driving around us. We can pray in the classrooms, as someone once said, as much as people are trying to get prayer out of schools, as long as there are tests or papers in school, there will always be prayers in school. And we know that to be true. Uh, we can pray daily. Secondly, we need to pray sincerely. He said, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to stand praying uh, in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. Jesus here is reminding us of the target for us when it comes to prayer. He was reminding his followers and us today of the right target when it comes to prayer, and the right target for our prayers is God, not others. The right target when we pray is we pray to God, not for others to look at us. Jesus warned us, and he told us, don't be like the hypocrites. A hypocrite uh, literally means a fake, a pretender. A hypocrite is an actor. A hypocrite in this situation that Jesus is sharing with us here uh, in the Sermon on the Mount is someone who appears to be someone they're not. It's someone who is really trying to appear to be someone that they are not. A hypocrite, as Jesus was sharing, is someone who appears to be spiritual but is not. A hypocrite is someone who appears to be holy but is not. A hypocrite is someone who appears to be sincere but is not. Jesus clearly here was referring to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as Jesus would share with them often, were religious actors. The Pharisees, Jesus told us specifically here, the Pharisees uh, were a group of people who would love, they loved, they looked forward every day to standing up in public places in front of a lot of people to pray. And the reason they loved to stand up in public places in front of a lot of people to pray is because they were trying to impress people. They were trying to impress the people with their prayers. They were trying to impress the people and cause them to think, wow, that person is really spiritual. Woo, man, that person is holy. I want to be like that person. Their prayer was a practice of trying to win the approval of others rather than winning the approval of God. And Jesus specifically said here in verse five, they got their reward. In essence, he was saying, these Pharisees, these religious actors, these hypocrites, these folks who were standing and trying to pray in a way to impress others got their reward. They got what they wanted. They, they maybe impressed some people, but they didn't get God's reward. And he's talking to us here. Jesus is reminding us today that if our goal and desire when we pray is to impress others and receive their rewards or acclaim, we won't receive God's. That's true of the entire Christian life. If we're living our lives for Jesus in a way to try to win the acclaim of others, then we're not going to win the approval of the Lord. He's reminding us here of how important it is for us and our motives when it comes to prayer. We know that God sees our hearts. We are bound, you and I, we're bound to to look at the outward appearance of people. Uh, Even those we know well, we are bound just to see their outward appearance. We truly don't understand and truly can't see to the heart of one another. We're bound to look at the outward appearance and and yet we know that scriptures tell us that God sees right through to our hearts. He knows. He knows us and our thoughts. 
He knows our motives. And so Jesus is reminding us, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't allow the enemy to shift your focus in the Christian life to living for Jesus in a way to please others, to promoting yourself by telling everybody what you're doing, where you're going, how much you know. Don't try to live the Christian life in a way to win the approval of others, to get others to give you acclaim. Instead, understand and realize that we're to live our lives for the Lord and be satisfied and focused with his pleasure and his pleasure alone. And he continues and shares with us in verse six. He says, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. So he's sharing with us here uh, the importance of, of our motives in prayer. Now, Jesus is not here uh, condemning all public prayer. If our motives and mindset and heart is right with God and focused on God, then public prayer is fine. Jesus prayed publicly. The disciples prayed publicly. We pray publicly. It's all about motives. Jesus was emphasizing once again the, motive of our, the central motive of our heart in prayer is to get to God. He's saying when you get alone, spend time alone. Go into your private room. Go into that area where you're alone. Like Jesus went away to deserted places to pray. Get alone from others. Get away from the distractions of the, the world. Get away from the radios and the TVs and the computers and the phones. Get away and focus in on prayer. And when we get away from everyone else and everything else for that period of time, we're able to focus intently on God. We're able to seek God's presence. We're able to seek God's pleasure. We're able to seek God's will, God's wishes, God's ways for us. We're able to come before him, not distracted by anyone else, but we're able to spend that time focused in on the Lord as we present our requests to him, as we cast our cares on him, as we intercede on others' behalf to him. We're able to focus intently on him. He's encouraged us, reminding us that there is a place for public prayer, and it's okay to pray publicly, but there is also a greater place for that intense prayer with the Father when you are able to get alone. Maybe it's when you're in your car and you turn everything off and you're making your way to wherever you go throughout the day. Maybe it's on walks. We're able to get alone and just walk with the Father and just talk with Him. Maybe it's through other forms of exercise. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's in the afternoon at lunch when you take your lunch and you go alone and you spend time with the Father there. Maybe it's in the evening time before going to bed. Maybe even there's times when God wakes you up in the middle of the night. I know that's true of many of us and you've shared testimonies. I've heard testimonies. I've shared where God will at times, He'll wake us up in the middle of the night and he'll put a burden the holy spirit will put a burden on our heart for someone and we ultimately right there begin praying for that person maybe there are times where god actually calls you to pray throughout the night all night long we're to make sure that we're praying daily we're praying sincerely we see that jesus opened this chapter this amazing chapter six with a similar warning to us. If you look in 6 verse 1, he opened a very similar he opened with a very similar warning to this entire chapter. He said, "Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven." Jesus opened this amazing chapter with a warning, and he warned us to not practice our righteousness. Specifically, what does that mean? He was telling us to not to obey God's commands, to give, pray, and fast in a public way so as to impress others and win the approval of others. He's warning us, do not live your life for Christ in a public way with your greatest desire being to impress others. Don't give, don't pray, and don't fast in public ways out of a heart and desire for others to look at you and think how spiritual that you are. Instead, again, he's talking about the motives. He's talking about our motives. He said, instead, focus in on the Lord. God knows our hearts and God sees our hearts. Therefore, God knows and sees our motives. And what he is sharing with us, Jesus is telling us, when we pray and when we give and when we fast, it should be out of our love for God, obedience to God, and our worship for God, not out of a desire to impress others. 
And so we see this vital truth for you and for me. We're to pray daily. We're to pray sincerely. And then we're also to pray specifically. He continues here in verse 7. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. So Jesus here warned us about being like the pagans or the idolaters when they pray. What he was telling us was the pagans and idolaters prayed uh, during his day. Uh, They would pray to their gods, and the way they would pray to their gods is they would just repeat the same words over and over and over again. They would repeat these vain, worthless repetitions. They would babble on and on thoughtlessly. Again, Jesus here, focusing it on our motives in prayer, our practice of prayer, our desires when we pray, And Jesus was helping us to understand that we should not pray thoughtlessly. We should not pray in a ritualistic sense of just repeating the same thing over and over again without giving any thought to it. We should not pray with meaningless formulas or mindless repetitions. Jesus is saying we should pray specifically. We should pray sincerely. We should pray thoughtfully. We should pray passionately. We need to get to God and we need to cry out to him and pour out our heart to him and we can pray specifically, sincerely, thoughtfully, and passionately all in the same way. Getting to the Lord in prayer. What Jesus is actually telling us here, we understand as well, is the best prayers are not always the longest prayers. He said the adulterers, they, they thought they'd be heard because they prayed and 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 prayed repeating the same things over and over and over and over again thinking that God would hear their prayers. The best prayers are not always the longest prayers. It's like the pastor who prayed a simple prayer before he got up to preach. Lord, fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and nudge me when I've said enough. And we see it, simple prayer, simple prayers for you and for me. We see it all throughout the word. There's, we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament, of one of the, the examples of the Old Testament, a guy who prayed a real simple prayer. It was a real short prayer, but it was a very effective prayer. And so we see here that we're to pray sincerely. We're to pray daily. We're to pray specifically uh, for what the Lord has for us, what the Lord's laying on our hearts what the Lord lays in our hearts from someone else at times. And then also we need to pray confidently. He says in verse eight, don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. We can pray confidently because God wants us to pray. We can pray confidently because God hears us when we pray. We can pray confidently because God knows what we need before we pray. We can pray confidently because God answers our prayers. We can pray confidently because we know God's answers to our prayers are best for us. As David the psalmist said in Psalm 34 verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cries for help. God sees, God hears, God knows, God answers. Just think about that for a moment. God's eyes are on us and God's ears are tuned to us. His eyes are on you and his ears are tuned to you. That's amazing when you stop and think about that. And Jesus said, we can pray confidently because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. How cool is that? We can pray confidently. Because God knows the things we need before we ask him. For some, that begs a real simple question. Why ask? Why pray? If God knows the things we need before we ask him, why pray? Well, there's many reasons to pray. The first reason we pray is because God said so, which is always a great place to start. We pray because God said so. We pray... Because prayer helps us depend on God. We pray because prayer helps us hand over and yield and cast our cares and concerns and worries and burdens on God. We pray because prayer helps us listen for and become aware of the answers of prayers from God. We pray because God changes us when we pray. Listen, we're going to see this throughout this time of study. 
God may not always change others when we're praying for them. God may not always change our circumstances when we're praying to him about them. But we can rest assured that what God's always going to do is he's going to change us as we pray. And God will always change us and make us more effective, make us more humble, make us more fruitful, make us more joyful in dealing with those circumstances, in dealing with those people, in dealing with those requests that we're praying for. God may very well change our circumstances, and God may very well change others. But whether he does or not, we can rest assured and know that as we pray, God will change us. He will change us. And he'll equip us and empower us and enable us to live for him in a more effective, fruitful way within those circumstances or around those people that he has placed us around to be his witnesses, to shine his light on a day-by-day basis. And so we see that Jesus prayed. He taught us to pray. And the third main point we need to understand is we need to use our lifeline. We need to use our lifeline to God. We need to pray and pray and pray some more. We need to pray. So here's my challenge to you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Uh, beginning today, I want to challenge you. Here's your homework. Don't always give you homework. Well, actually, the Lord gives you homework every week. The homework is to take what he said to you and put it into action in your life. So here's a specific way to follow the Lord's homework for your life this week. I want to encourage you and challenge you when you get home today to start a prayer list. And I know many of us already have a prayer list and you have a, a, a long prayer list certainly of different things that you're praying for, different people are praying for, but I want to encourage you to start a, a second one. I want you to start it today and over the course of this series, what I want you to do is as the Lord brings requests to you, I just want you to write them down <clears throat> and I want you to write down your requests and I want you to begin praying for those requests. Just write them down and begin praying for them. Uh, if it's for other people, then write those people's name down and begin praying for them. I want to encourage you Keep it with you. Keep it near you. If you aren't able to take it with you, have a sheet of paper. You can jot stuff down. You can translate it then and put it on the the prayer list that you're going to start today. And I want you to do this uh, day by day. Day by day. Number one, it's going to encourage all of us to pray more. Uh, Number two, it's going to encourage us to to get with the Lord more. It's going to encourage us to not only pray for ourselves and our needs, but it's going to encourage us to pray for one another more because we all know that there are many times where we hear about requests. We uh, hear about folks who are going through a time of struggle and, and we need to be diligent to pray for them and it's a way we can do that. And what I want you to do is as you begin doing that, I am completely confident as I stand here before you this morning, I am completely 100% confident that as you do that over the next couple of weeks, as you do that actually over the next few months as we make our way through this series, you're going to be amazed at the amount of prayers God answers for you. You're going to be amazed. At the, amazed at the, the testimony that you're going to begin to see through your prayer life about what God's doing. You see, what happens oftentimes is our enemy brings all these stressors into our lives and he presses on us in such a way to stress us out. And when we choose not to pray, we get stressed out and we live stressed out. But when those stressors come, what God wants us to do is to take them to him, to write those requests down to him. And what happens is he alleviates our stress in amazing ways and fills us with his peace. And God stands ready. He stands ready to answer us, to tell us great and wondrous things that we don't know. I want to encourage you to spend more time in prayer as families. Spend more time in prayer throughout the day. I want to encourage you maybe to start uh, throughout the week taking time at your lunch just to spend time in prayer. Take time in the evening time to spend time in prayer. Throughout this series, find a time uh, where you can actually Just get away and walk. Take the example of Jesus. He withdrew to deserted places to pray. Now, I know that's going to take coordination for many of us because we've got kids and little ones, and so you're going to need a husband and wife. I'm going to take my prayer walk, then I'll keep the kids. You can take your prayer walk. Hey, we started nine o'clock. Many of us start arriving earlier. How about over the next couple of months, get here 15 minutes earlier and just prayer walk 
the building. Get here 15 minutes earlier. Just walk down the hall. Stop in each classroom. Just pray over that room. God, I pray you bless the children that are going to be in this room today. I pray you bless the teacher. Fill them with your truth. Just keep walking. Come in here and fill the altar area. 8 o'clock, 8.15, 8.30. Maybe you want to get to your office place a little bit earlier. Maybe before others get here, just walk through your office. Father God, I pray that you will bless my coworkers. God, if there's anybody who's struggling today, will you bring that to my attention so that I might be able to pray for them? See, when God says, call to me, I will answer you. Tell you great and wondrous things you do not know. How can we afford not to pray? You see, God's part is to answer our prayers. Our part is to pray. Our part is to pray. God's part is to answer. Our part is to pray. God's part is to strengthen. Our part is to pray. God's part is to give us peace. Our part is to pray. God's part is to speak to us. Our part is to pray. God's part is to use us in amazing ways for his honor and his glory. Our part is to pray, and God's part is to use us to be a blessing to one another. And what a great time to start right here, right now. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Worship team's going to come and lead us in this time of invitation, and I want to encourage you.